being the devil's advocate doesn't mean the same thing as it used to. I remember growing up, I was like so in love with all the like queer satanic presentation, cow and chicken. I'm like, oh yeah, the devil's cool. Yeah. And I was like, oh wait, this is them trying to like demonize literally. And I was like, but I felt that. Yeah. That's my gender. Yeah. I feel like it's a hard line. Chaotic like, half little... the people were seeing this stuff and they were like, oh, yes, that's what the devil's like. Oh, Lord. And the other half of us were like, right. fucking cool, man. Yeah. They're like, play, okay. I'm not yeah, with the devil. People are like, we need positive representation, but also we kind of like those characters too. But, you know, just don't be weird about them. Yeah. There's a lot of essays out there and opinion mm-hmm. pieces about the demonization of queer people in media but then it's also like i'm really queer for these demons yeah and i even like it, i it, like it, a lot of very straight 90s demons i love the liz hurley uh devil yeah. from bedazzled I, I love the robert de niro and the uh al pacino devils oh yeah they're all great <laughs> yeah the al pacino devil is definitely like I'm making a, I know we're recording and I'm making a hand sign, like a cosine, like a tangent, which is what we're on. Awesome. All right, let's do this. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about a classic tale of girl meets monster, girl saves monster from the government, girl bones down with monster. That's right. It's time to talk about The Shape of Water, the movie that answers the age-old question, does the creature from the Black Lagoon fuck? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First... The cinnamon roll of Cenobites, my co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm good. I also think that Abe Sapien fucks, and this is a prequel to Hellboy. I don't know if y'all know that, but I think that this is important to note because I'm pretty sure this is Abe Sapien fanfic based on nothing but my own supposition. Abe Sapien is a a well-spoken gentleman of letters. We will say that this version makes some clicky noises and some, some cooing and cawing. He hasn't figured out the language yet. Yeah. Uh, and our guest, the writer and artist of the webcomic, Jamie, and my artist on the upcoming graphic novel, The Dog Night, is yes. Bree Indigo. Bree, welcome back. Hey, guys. It's a long time no see. It's great to see your beautiful faces and hear your voices. Oh, thank you. It's great <laughs> to see you, too. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, and what a movie to come back on, too, because uh, mm. I pulled the whatever length straw it is on this one to to do the recap. So let me jump into that because there's a lot to talk about in this movie. So it is, as uh, our last three movies we talked about, directed by Guillermo del Toro. It is co-written by Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor, who you may also know is the writer of the Divergent movie, of the Hillbilly Elegy movie, of several episodes of Game of Thrones. It stars Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Octavia Spencer, Richard Jenkins, Michael Stolberg, and Doug Jones as the amphibian man. I'm going to call him Fishman for pretty much the entire rest of the the thing. But he is listed as amphibian man. Well, you Um, know what else sounds like amphibian man? What's that? Abe Abe Sapien. I was going to say. Also played by Doug Jones. Yeah. If there's a very long, creepy uh, alien type creature 
Doug Jones is your man. He doesn't have any lines in this one, but he uh, still acts the hell out of it. All right. If I've learned anything from making this podcast, it's that watching four movies from the same director in a row will make you turn on anyone. I love Guillermo del Toro. But watching this movie, I was like, I've had enough of your bullshit, Guillermo. Come on. Because we do start with this Guillermo del Toro-ass opening where everything is underwater and there's a narrator's voice being like, this is a fairy tale, which is something we have heard four weeks in a row now. Oh my God. Some version of. Yeah, I almost turned on him too, but I was just like, I will at least try to hear someone else's point of view on it. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed this movie. I do think it might be definitely like the least of the three movies we talked about at the end of this, I think not including Kronos, which is like, very student filmy in a lot of ways but still good i don't think it's as good as devil's backbone or pan's labyrinth but it's trying something different and i will give it credit for that yeah yeah so we after our little monologue we meet our hero eliza played by sally hawkins she's mute kind quirky cares for others and takes exactly the length of an egg timer to get herself off in the bath every morning apparently for her she lives above a movie theater next to her best friend the closeted gay artist giles played by richard jenkins the mood of her day-to-day life is perhaps best described as the film amelie but set in dark city yeah this whole opening segment is like what if amelie but baltimore and green (laughs) which apparently baltimore is just full of old buildings and steamy pipes hell yeah it's not how baltimore is now i've been there it's not like this but (laughs) I, i guess at some point in uh, the 60s-ish, 50s-ish, it was like that. So every day she goes to her job mopping up at the government lab with her work friend Zelda, played by Octavia Spencer. And every night she comes home and watches musicals with Giles, who takes her to the bad pie shop to eat because uh, he has a not-so-well-hidden crush on the guy that runs the place uh, behind the bar. <laughs> work recently got a new shipment of Monster in a tank, along with new security, uh, new security guy, to go with the monster, Strickland, who is played by the always menacing Michael Shannon. Yeah, Strickland is horrible from go. He's he's condescending. He condescends to her and Zelda, both because they're women and because they wash the floor. All that you need to know about this man is he washes his hand before he pees and not after. Very specifically. And that this is like, to him, an important part of his character. Ugh. yeah that's the thing is he's aware of it he knows what he's doing he does yeah. it on purpose he yeah. has a whole thing to explain it and i'm like okay so you wash your hands before you touch your dick but you don't hold your dick yeah he pees with his like, hands on his hips too which is like yeah like what's so the, proud look he's he like 1950s superman like yeah chest out <laughs> like, oh god well he probably feels that way about himself yeah although yeah. i'm pretty sure that cattle prod is uh compensating for something <laughs> Yeah, he he also totes around a high voltage cattle prod as if it's the pack in that comes with his action figure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the creature is about to wipe that smile off his face though by biting out two of his fingers and sending him straight to the medic. Uh, while cleaning up all of Strickland's blood, Eliza begins communicating with the creature through taps and sign language and gives him an egg to eat. I don't know if the eggs are meant to be like as metaphorical as they feel as the fact that it's an egg that he shares with her off the bat but you know sure probably he gets his finger sewn back on and we meet his commercial perfect wife and kid they're two kids 2.5 oh, yes kids. Two, two oh yes kids. don't forget the half child yeah 
Yeah. His wife invites him to ride the express bus to Pound Town, during which his fingers start bleeding again, and he shushes her, objecting to it by putting his bleeding hand over her mouth oh. as he continues to fuck her. Alicia Go. made the worst face during the scene. She told oh, me, I, can I need you to make a note about this face that I'm making right now. So there it is. A friend of mine has a very good, very solid theory about how his hands became septic immediately after the finger incident. He blames Eliza for putting his fingers in her lunch bag, even though it's the only thing that she had, and probably cleaner than the uh, fucking floor. Fucking mustard on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I can't believe no one washed them or sterilized them before putting them on him. Like, well, uh, he was fucked from the get go because he didn't wash his hands. Pure, you're right, dirty bitch, right? Yeah, he's that. He's the fucking worst. What do they call it? Yeah, he's a raggedy bitch. You raggedy bitch. He is a raggedy bitch. Derogatory. So uh, shortly after this, we find out that lab scientist Bob, played by Michael Stolberg, is actually named Dmitri and is a Russian plant. Reporting back to the Russians, he sees Eliza communicating with Fishman and uh, pushes the importance of saving this intelligent creature to both his American and Russian bosses, neither of whom have any intention of listening to any of this. His American boss, General Hoyt, instead wants to go ahead with Strickland's plan of killing the thing and dissecting it to see, you know, what, what's in there, what it's made out of. Because he, he points out that this thing is able to live and breathe amphibiously, which if they, you know, could harness any of this to humans you know, or to the military or to space travel, it would be incredibly important. This movie also has these guys making fun of Laika, the Russian dog that they launched. Oh, in yeah. Which I was like, make fun of Fuck you. the dog. And it's horrible. Laika died for our sins. I did not like a single character. Maybe the guy who was like, you know, trying to advocate for fish amphibian. But like, I did not like anyone. Yeah, like, like the Russian spy is the nicest, is the best person in this yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. And Strickland's whole deal, like what he wants to do with the alien, is the same plan from every movie about mutants and aliens since 1980. Uh, the government guy just wants to kill it and dissect it. The Soviets just want to kill it so the Americans don't get anything from it. So this is going to be set in motion. He's going to be killed in a couple of days. So Eliza wants Giles to help her steal the fish man. Giles is desperately trying to put his life back together after apparently he had... Uh, several incidents with alcoholism, presumably having to do with him being in the closet and lonely. And he is doing this by trying to uh, get his advertising art job back. He paints advertisements, but, you know, the photograph is becoming a much more, a much bigger way of of selling stuff. So he's slowly falling into disfavor. You know, they want the gelatin to be a different color. So he has to go paint a whole nother painting. John Hamm is not present. I could not imagine. So, yeah, that doesn't work out. Neither does him hitting on the pie guy at his pie restaurant, which is probably for the best because that dude's a fucking racist. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I did find him interesting. Yeah. Found that very interesting. <laughs> yeah, he immediately, he, he turns him down and then immediately does a racism. And it's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Or it doesn't, I will say turn him down, tells him not to come back because he had the nerve to, like, touch his hand. It's like, take the compliment, geez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Strickland goes out and buys a new Cadillac to reward himself for being king shit and then sexually harasses harasses Eliza because it turns him on that she can't talk. Everything wrong with that. Yeah, which uh, it's okay, though, because she's doing a heist. Giles, having nothing else but her in his life, decides to help out. 
she packs up the fish man in the laundry and wheels him into the fake laundry van that for Giles to pick him up. At least that's the plan she has. But luckily, Bob is down to help because I don't know how quickly this would have failed if Bob hadn't been involved. Yeah. I think as he's the only competent person in the whole facility besides Zelda. Yeah, because Bob like figures out what she's doing and then unlocks the guy's collar. Like it's like, how are you gonna get the collar off without if Bob hadn't been there to help you? Like that's an important thing through. Yeah. So she he unlocks the collar and then is like, here's his food, feed him three times a day. Don't put too much in or his water will get cloudy. Never after midnight. And then she immediately does that. (laughs) Essentially. She gives it to him after midnight, any time of day he wants it. Yeah. And then he he proceeds to knock out the lights. And the phones, and then I think murder the guard at the entrance. I'm a little unclear. He yeah. injects him with something. Pretty sure that was a big murder there. Yeah. He injects him with the stuff he was going to put in the fish. Yeah. yeah. They never what follow ever... up on that. They never like, and also he murdered no, the guy, not... but like that yeah. dude seems pretty murdered. Yeah. So uh, Zelda punches Eliza out when she realizes that, like, she punches her punch card out when she realizes yeah, she hasn't left and she's up to something nefarious. Yes, she doesn't punch her out. <laughs> clearly not Zelda's thing. So this this ends up helping her look innocent in the long run. But then she tries to stop her, but nothing can stop Eliza's craving for fish sticks. Giles nearly blows it, but ends up destroying Strickland's new caddy on the way out for bonus points. Eliza stores Fishman in her masturbation tub, a prelude of things to come. Giles is supposed to watch Fishman as Eliza goes to her shift, but of course he falls asleep and the Fishman has an insatiable appetite for pussy, a prelude of things to come. By which I mean he eats Giles' cat. Oh my god. I didn't even really make that connection. That's why it was like, you know what, he was just confused. Like, usually I get really mad about sad cat death in movies, but I just, I appreciate... That dude was just confused. He's also a wild animal. And I feel like Giles, like the way it was handled, was pretty reasonable. Yeah, but Giles then... is like, no, and yells at him and gets a claw swipe for it along the arm. And then Giles is like, oh, fuck that. I ain't fighting this thing. And yeah. uh, Fishman runs off into the night. Giles apparently just lays down to sits down to bleed for a while and calls Eliza to tell her what's going on. Because Eliza goes to look for the fishman and he's literally downstairs in the movie theater, having run a total of 50 feet away. But Eliza does not want to go to the theater. She's more of a Netflix and chill type. Strips down and climbs into her bathtub with Fishman. She then shares some details about how this works with Zelda, which uh, I was surprised. (laughs) I was surprised by both times I've seen this movie, which apparently his little hard hard plastic shell in his crotch opens up and the dick comes out of it. A lot of animals have that going on. Like, not everybody's a hanger, you know? I'm not here, yeah. I'm not here to body shame the fish, man. I just think she's weird. <laughs> there is a line here that I am still I'm still thinking about, which is like, never trust a man even when he's flat down there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, Zelda Zelda's something else. I don't I mean that's I like I don't think that's intended to be any sort of commentary or like phobic comment. But, it, you know, I might, my radar is up these days for just, like, right. weird, like, transphobic comments that are here and there. Because, like, people are just having trouble shedding themselves of that these yeah. days. And I know that Guillermo is cool and everything. But, um, so I don't think that I mean, was the that. the characters but might have very well had those opinions seeing as the time it was. But, yeah, I mean... but I, I don't think it, I think it had more to do with the fact that he was a fish person. 
um, yeah. and he had a cloaca or whatever. This is a scene I feel is important. The pronunciation because... of it, where it sounds like Fozzie Bear, it's a bit much for me. <laughs> I will continue to do so. Then I found the perfect pronunciation of cloaca, waka, waka. But this is a scene you may have seen as gifts, which involve the sign. I don't know if this is actual like of cloaca extending penis. If you're on Twitter and you know ASL and you hear this episode, and please tell me if there's an actual sign for dick comes out of cloaca. Yeah. The end. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So she she also describes it to Zelda while well, I guess describes it through hand motions. Meanwhile, Strickland's reattached fingers are starting to rot off. Not cool. Apparently they smell. That's great. And this is the point at which Eliza decides to take her uh, WAP to a whole next level by flooding her whole bathroom to bone down with her new boyfriend in his natural biome. Her sex water is dripping on the dude's face in the movie theater down below and running all through the house. It's a lot. I don't... It, this scene is a lot. It's like somebody had an idea and nobody was like, no, don't do that. Yeah. It's <laughs> good for them. There's one person in a room going at it just writing for their life. <laughs> I don't know if it's Guillermo del Toro or Nessa Taylor. I don't know whose thing this is, but they were like, they full on went for it. Said if I'm going to make a niche furry story, I'm going to do it right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Imagine I mean, from the, the beautiful underwater camera stuff, I'd say probably it's Guillermo, but you know, that's <laughs> for how grubby that bathroom, how like charmingly aesthetically grubby that bathroom was, that water was very clear. Oh, yeah. All I was thinking about was the toilet water mixing with their sex water. Yeah, I mean, maybe he, like, cleans it. Maybe he's got, like, a filtration system built in. I doubt it. Just full of fish sperm. That's it. (laughs) Full of fishman sperm. So, at this point, Fishman has also apologized to Giles by touching his head and his gashes. The gashes then heal quickly and his head starts to regrow hair. So, he's got a lot of talents. And he's nice to the kitties now. Yeah. At this point, I was still mad that no one mourned the first cat. I think they were mourning the first cat. I think also they're like in shock that they're like taking care of a fish man. You know, all I got from it was that she was horny and Giles thought it was quirky. I did not get any remorse for the cat. Giles was upset, but I feel like Giles is an interesting character and I'll get into that later. I have some things to say about Giles. Okay. Yeah, but now our important thing. Fishman is molting and needs to go back to the water. They have a plan to put him in the canal when it opens up for the rainy season. Eliza starts singing to him, and there's a whole ass musical number, which fuck man, I don't know. Dream ballet. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of a dream ballet. It it seems to imply that like she really, really needs to sing right now because she is muted. It's kind of like a weird questionable thing to me i don't know the disability politics in this movie are all over the place mm-hmm. true but we then move on uh the general tells strickland either he has to find and retrieve the fish man or he's going to be dr strange in the multiverse of shit he's not going to be in this world anymore he's just going to be in a world of shit he'll be unmade and unborn which is like damn this general like he's intense, usually, man. yeah like he's very poetic the general's not in it a whole lot but he's the Dude who is, is uh, Wayland's boss in Justified. And he's fucking great in that show, too. So, you know, he plays a nice authority figure quite well. But yeah, Strickland follows Bob to his rendezvous with his fellow Soviet, I wrote angels here, agents, Soviet agents. They try to kill him, 
But uh, Strickland kills them very effectively, shoots one dude very much in the head, and uh, then sticks his fingers in Bob's bullet holes until he tells him uh, there isn't a strike force, that it wasn't a bunch of Russians that cleaned out this uh, creature from their labs. It was just the cleaning crew that stole the fish man. At which point, Strickland makes a beeline for Zelda's house. Zelda isn't going to tell him anything until her good-for-nothing husband, who only appears in this scene, rats her out. She's been whining about him the whole movie, and he appears once and is just a total rat. Zelda dresses him down and then calls Eliza to warn her that he's coming. Eliza and Giles take the fish man to the canal, but Strickland arrives just in time to beat Giles in the head, shoots fish man and Eliza. He declares that he, he can never lose. He always gets his man. Giles promptly clocks him with a two by four from behind, and then Fishman straight up stands up and wipes his bullet holes off. And uh, he gives a great reading of this. Michael Shannon says, oh shit, you are a god. And then the Fishman straight up murders Strickland by slashing his whole throat out. Yeah. But Eliza's still dying, so Fishman takes her into the water with him and heals her bullet wounds, and then puts his hand on the slashes on her neck, which are, in theory, are the reason she is mute. Uh, but they're not slashes, they're gills. Uh, she's a much fleshier <sighs> fish lady too, I guess. IDK, unexplained, the end. This was Taylor Swift's favorite movie, apparently. Whose favorite movie? Taylor Swift's, at least I heard. Oh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good for them. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like She also I, likes fairy tales, you know? Yeah, well, it's important. So, Brie. Yes. What was your first take away from this movie when you first watch it okay oh. i just i'm trying to give it more credit than i like okay it's either gonna be one of two things it's either gonna be like the worst of his movies or like he was trying to do something that people just didn't get you know i haven't read anything about his intentions for the movie i want to go in i want to hear everybody's opinions and stuff but to me i just felt like anything it could have been it wasn't because it overdid so many things to the point where it, it didn't add anything. I don't know how else to put it. For example, it's such a moody environment. And I feel like if they all like talked less, then it would have more weight in the in like the <laughs> setting, like, you know, the, the kind of atmosphere I felt like it was trying to be built. Yeah. Because so many times they would do such like stereotypical, almost cartoony things that would just like ruin the mood for me. And I know it's not supposed to be romantic. It's supposed to juxtapose what you expect out of a romance and the scenes and da da da. But like, I didn't even get the atmosphere that was intended because it was just so silly. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it. It wasn't scary. <laughs> did it feel that way the second time through? Like when you watched it for the, did you, I assume you watched it before you did the podcast with us. Like you've, you've seen it before. No, no I so watched your it for first the podcast. Time yeah okay okay that's interesting because ben had sort of a similar experience with Penn's labyrinth um uh -huh. and they also had uh, this kind of shock moment where they're like this is it like everybody's been talking to me about this movie and this is it the thing for me though is like Penn's labyrinth won three oscars and they're for cinematography art direction and makeup this movie won best picture and best director and like sure the field is different but this movie also came out the the same year as um as jordan peele's first film which we've talked about on mm. here yeah uh, we've talked a lot about get out and what a good movie it is and it's a lot better than this movie for all i love guillermo del toro i feel like 
there's an idea here, but that mm-hmm. idea is a five page short story and it's yes. a two hour movie. Yes. This movie was insufferably boring and I felt bad because I I really like I like the set design. I love that they were like green everywhere. It's moody and it has a reason. I was like, I got it. It's a little much, but I got it. And I could appreciate the attention to detail. And of course, the fish man like looked incredible, right? I can appreciate yeah. it all for what it was. I just like I said, like I was like buying it, right? I was buying the movie and then like every time they would just make me roll my eyes because of like <laughs> Some cringy thing like she's like oh yeah it's so sexy and he's like oh, 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 oh. I'm like yeah so sexy man I just mm. yeah I don't know I mean because I well okay putting the disability politics aside for a second I want to like look at her supporting characters like her literal support system of characters because like Bree said the Soviet spy guy is by far the best of these three Richard Jenkins is like I understand that this is a like very a character who's very trapped in in time. Like this is supposed to be a moment in time where like he is gay, but he can't be gay. Like mm-hmm. there is no yeah. possibility there for him. But also that's like kind of a surface level observation that like is oh, yeah. that entire character. Tavia Spencer is a very good actor. I feel yeah. this character is really like borderline racist <laughs> like um yeah and- she is yeah. definitely i'm sorry me and my wife looked at each other and i just went, oh look the magical negro and she has no character she has no character she does what's what the mute girl need i don't remember any of their names but yeah, i just did not care that much Eli- Eli- like i really paid attention Eliza. <laughs> but whatever yeah like i, I would t- i took it in but i did not bother to remember that stuff because i was just like i know their roles they're very straightforward she just did whatever was needed for the plot. I didn't really believe like her character would do those things. I don't know. And there's there's yeah. something about like partially it's because Eliza doesn't speak, but Zelda just fills all that space with chatter, and it, it's a very like old something you would have seen in like a '50s movie, like nurse nanny type character that she just like yeah. continues to drone on and like. She goes on and on and on about her no good husband. And it's in a very like stand up comedy mama cast kind of way that like, yeah, I was like, oh, there's going to be some kind of reveal at some point. Right. <laughs> that like her husband is something different. And we get to the husband and no, he sucks. Like yeah, that one scene. And he, he has no character other than like his recliner like that's the biggest character trait he has is his recliner and his television that was really problematic for me yeah they were very stereotypical characters yeah i mean like she was very much the kind of stereotypical character that i i remember rachel true talking about being that you know supporting black character that's like hey you know says the white girl or like hey you good you know (laughs) or like Mm -hmm. um are you okay are you yeah. okay? So, yeah, and that's Rachel True talking about how how many different ways she's had to find to say, "Are you okay?" And Zelda is essentially that character for Eliza, and yeah. the the super stereotypical like relationship she has with her husband and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It that felt exceptionally problematic for yeah. me. I mean, maybe it's because I've, I've just been watching the Oscars at the point that we're recording this, but like the fact that like the first black woman to win an acting oscar was hattie mcdaniel and it's for the literal 
Mammy character in Gone with the Wind. And that character feels so much like this Zelda character in this movie. Yeah. And it's just like, this is as far as we've come. Both her and Giles just feel paper thin. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. That was kind of how I felt about just uh, in general. I was like, okay, I believe I'm buying a like what's like a fictional period piece. And I understand that people had different opinions back in and, and then we want to portray the characters accurately. But then also to get stereotypes of character as if it was made back then. So I'm like, do you get what I'm trying to say? It yeah. could have very easily just made a black character who, yeah, dealt with the racism of the time, but wasn't a racist caricature. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think where that falls apart for me is like, for those characters to be that thin, it needs to be like third, third person or first person on Eliza. But there are scenes in which it's only those characters and they still are just exactly that thin when they're like the point of view character on screen. Yeah, it, it really it feels bad, <laughs> especially the with the amount of time that has been taken with some of these characters, like Giles a little bit. And Eliza, certainly, where you, they take so much time to show us how she's quirky and she likes this music and she boils eggs and things like that. Like, I wanted that same kind of facets from some of these other characters. And like Dimitri and his <laughs> Russian Russians that Russian more than any other Russian has in Baltimore, Maryland, America, like also very, very cartoony. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like weird cartoony stuff, even like the suburban chauvinism of Strickland mm-hmm. is very, very cartoony. And, you know, on that s- with Strickland, it was supposed to be, but it didn't help when everything else, you know, that that statement about his hypocrisy and about his obsession with image wasn't as solid because everything else was so flat. Giles is an interesting one for me because he is defined by his denial. Mm hmm. Even to the point where when they're looking at there's some reports about like civil rights demonstrations and stuff Mm -hmm. on TV, he like demands that it be changed to happy musicals. I don't think that's so much about his character more than about just, you know, living in a time when you're trying to like avoid falling into depression and all this, you know, like he's trying to, to fight that aspect of himself, which is why he's like slightly more has slight more depth to me than some of the other characters do yeah but then the problem is that as a gay character he is defined by being in the closet which is basically like the barrier that a lot of representation has tried to get past is that like you know the to be gay is suffering his sort of intent on like projecting his midlife crisis on this fish man who's been interred <laughs> in a bathtub <laughs> And being like, oh, Fishman, you and I are the same. I'm losing my hair and you are literally drowning in air. Yeah, no, trust. <laughs> that's one thing I noticed, too. I just feel like every single person in this story is using this Fishman, even yeah. the girl who's in love with him. And it's really upsetting because, like, there's so many things, right? Okay. I'm not going to rant too long. I'm going to try to be really structured. No, rant, please. Okay. That's why we're here. It was weird. It's weird. This is like an overall feeling I have, but it's weird that like her roommate, you know, he goes from like being like, so like, oh, it's not, I'm not a part of this. I'm not a part of this. I'm not a part of this. But the only time he helps is when she is like demanding it. And then only after he like experiences like being fully out like other, does he go, oh, let me, let me empathize with people who have it harder than me. 
and almost like fully like says, okay, well now I'm, uh, my identity is tied to like helping my new roommate find the love of her life. Cause I can't have love of my life. Yeah. And then, and then it just feels like the whole movie is just like this, like traditional guy being murdered by the weird <laughs> queer brigade who like to fuck fishes. Like it just feels <laughs> so there. And then at the same time, I'm just like, okay, everyone in this movie is an asshole. So what does that say? Is that saying, even though like, they're so different, like they're all assholes, they all want to just like use and like own and treat some, something that has feelings and goals and is alive. Like the only person that even comes close to treating the fish man as a, like a living thing is the Russian spy. And even then, you know, his is still like, well, we have a lot to learn. Why kill him? We can keep him alive and and learn and then you know she was just like oh he's i see myself in him he sees me 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 me." and then also shows him a little like a a little letter and it's like supposed to be nice but it's literally a person holding a fish in a jar i'm like well that can't be on the nose can it and then (laughs) it's like i feel for her but at the same time, like, I don't, I definitely think this is more of an example of like codependency and how terrible it is. And she just uses everyone to get what she wants and she doesn't really care what happens. I'm like, so even though she, I'm supposed to like her or she's the main character, you're not supposed to like her, but I don't like her. And I, I feel like maybe I'm not supposed to. And lastly, sorry. No problem. I also feel like I'm being gaslit into thinking I'm supposed to relate to her and be happy for her in the end. But I'm just like, I have a feeling that no one is supposed to. I have a feeling that we're all just kind of like in this like, hey, I don't I don't see what you see, but I love you, so I'll support you because I in the end you gotta live and let live. <laughs> but that's well, all. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean one of the questions I have here that I wrote down in my notes is like, where do we stand on monster fucking RE queerness? <laughs> right? Like a lot of people who identify as queer see you know, the horror movies and see these characters that are other. And this is in, especially in the times where we are lacking actual representation, right? Mm -hmm. And as people develop identities and define themselves as something or someone, I should say, there's a lot of interest in the queer community in monster characters. But the problem is that the monster, it's that, and this is where Jeremy, I will joke about Abe Sapien and I'm like yes Abe Sapien but Abe Sapien can explicitly consent and fully yes, understand exactly. but then there's something to that that does get a little too close to like fetishizing the other so much and yeah that's the big issue with the fact that the fishman doesn't talk and the fishman is so mm-hmm. monstrous that he's just as like wah, wah, wah. you know he does sign and he does like have weird like mind meld shit that he does but it's not direct and i think that mystery confuses the message in this particular case where you know the fetishization becomes a little problematic yeah Mm -hmm. i've been putting off talking about sort of the the disability stuff because it is so like weirdly complicated to talk about in this movie i don't know i mean this came out in 2017 and it won best picture for 2017 and I don't know if we have really just come that far in six years or like if this was, you know, Green Book at the time where like it's a period drama where it says something that would be really important to people of that time. But to us looking at it is like, yeah, yeah. deaf yeah. people are human and have needs or, you know, mute people are, are human and have needs. People with disabilities 
do also want to fuck like you know <laughs> it feels like there's a point in this movie where they're like isn't this mute girl also human and it's like yes yeah, yeah it's like absolutely. of course like why are we trying so no one said anything else yeah, yeah like the, is she her... also a monster no she's not like no no we're right there with you, buddy. stop trying to convince us like yeah uh, i was kind of like confused and saddened by like the fact that like you know of course there's so many different like ways you can look at something based on like your political stance like that but like I found it really weird that like she has not only a gay man friend and a black woman friend and the only person she can relate to is the is a mute fish and like I get it she relates to them but she even she very easily used them to get what she wanted and then just like was like yeah I'll stay in the ocean now like if you think about it for real she left them all up there with the police left her black friend with the police and a Mm -hmm. dead like military man also that the black friend arrives with the police I mean, I know it's not 2023, but still, did she call the ending? She just was there as an object for the movie. She was like literally Octavia's like character was there as the like plot moving object. She yeah. was the character. Yeah, I, I feel like, and it it makes me feel weird to say it, but I feel like her entire character was just woo girl. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but that's it. I was like, like when the friggin' scientist even had to shush her, and that made me livid. I said, "Oh, he was like, stop with the chatter." I was like, "Ooh, let me at him!" <laughs> like in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And and the the expression by the main character of how much she hates her own muteness and is is, is bothered by her disability in a way that feels like the way somebody who who had you know a voice who who had been speaking and didn't know how to communicate would deal with that and i also think that's sort of like undercut by the fact that everybody she wants to communicate with is perfectly fluent in sign language Mm -hmm. you know both zelda and giles just know perfect asl yeah i don't remember i mean it's not to disregard anyone in like real life but with this movie i don't remember her being like treated badly for being mute other than for the the bad guy yeah you know what i mean like everyone seemed pretty not phased by it and so like for that in a movie it felt like well if i'm supposed to believe she hates this experience so much like i didn't really see it other than just what you'd assume yeah the only two things that feel at all timely to me revolve around strickland which is like the fact that like he fetishizes fetishizes disability which is like Mm -hmm. something that is like a pretty new idea in a movie like this you know that is not something you could have seen in 10 20 years ago or or would have likely seen and that they like the movie is condemning of that that they're not like he likes the mute girl isn't that nice of him um, Wait, he wasn't fetishizing. I mean, like he just wanted a woman that didn't make a noise. Yeah, I mean, I mean he was kind of fetishizing the fact that she was mute that way. But I mean, like she that couldn't, she couldn't speak. Um, that she couldn't, couldn't speak, not that yeah. she wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's how I interpreted it. I, okay, well, I hear you out. Yeah, and I mean, the the other thing is how closely tied Strickland's shittiness is to Christianity and American exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. Is like he's very convinced of his own rightness, both because of and with God. And like he feels perfectly comfortable. He feels no obligation to treat anybody, not the least of which we're talking about is, you know, the actual creature 
with any sort of uh, humanity or dignity because he's the, I mean, he's the straight white male here. Like he's the guy in charge. And he says, you know, there are types of people that are in charge and there are types of people that aren't. Um, He's very clear about that. That is the only bit to me that feels like the movie is saying anything that it couldn't have said 30 years ago. Yeah, well, and when we talk about class in this movie, I think that that's the main thrust of the most powerful thrust of the movie as as flat as everything is, is that it's just like, you know, let's get back at the man. Doesn't the man suck? You know, which is not necessarily a new thing. But the way this movie said it, I mean, it was it was kind of nice to see his car get fucked up by like the laundry mobile, you know, a lot of the plot of this movie was really enabled by the fact that these white dipshits, they just don't notice the help. Like you have this army of people working in a top secret facility that are punching in. And nobody's searching them, as far as I can tell. Nobody's signing any NDAs. You know, they do have some loose lips, lip sync ships fucking propaganda from the, like, 40s on the wall. But it's a little dangerously close to being a plot hole. But I think oh, that the that's... whole movie is just a big, weird plot hole. <laughs> like... Well, I, I think that there's the classism that is discussed in the movie does okay. kind of enable that to fly a little bit. Because there is that bit where he's like, why am I asking you guys? You're like the shit cleaners. Why would I ask you about how yeah. would you, how would you be able? You're just a woman. You can't s- steal a monster. Like, it's all you underestimated read, women. Yeah. yeah. It was very madman kind of situation there. Gotcha. And it was over the top in a way that a lot of this was over the top. And, you know, again, which made it very cartoony and very two-dimensional. I see. I didn't even pick up. I just felt like the movie was just a bunch of like stereotypical like plot beats, but we're all helping the girl get the fish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's not (laughs) new or interesting. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I I know, you know, we talk about, uh, again, another progressive politics point that we make about feminism is I think that the movie is more feminist the more that we recognize that she is flawed and a little bit just like, I think it's more, yeah. you know, like support women's wrongs kind of situation. But the fact <laughs> that she's, that she also has this disability is complicating the issue there. Oh, I mean, I don't feel bad for not liking her character because she's disabled. I don't treat anyone any differently. So I'm just well, like, yeah, you're, you're just... Yeah, <laughs> but like if she didn't have a disability that was defining her attraction to the fish man and she was just like, I just want to fuck. And this guy's interesting. <laughs> this is a different thing right here. This is somewhat like, well, maybe it's like they needed something to explain why. I don't know. We, like, I don't want to get too heavy into the politics, but it's like, you know, to make a, a white straight woman fit in with a gay man and a black woman in this time it's like you know why isn't like why isn't her life better why doesn't she have options or some crap like that i don't know maybe uh, justify it also there's the very fairy tale backstory to her that we only kind of get passingly which is that she is an orphan who was found on the seaside with these cuts on her throat and couldn't speak from like get go which i guess by the end we're supposed to interpret as her being somehow a misplaced part of the race of sea dwelling mammals i don't fucking know like that you know this is this is the place she belonged all along it wasn't on the surface with other humans it was that she 
you know, she's not disabled. She's just a creature from the sea, I guess. Um, It's it's very like, what? At least she wasn't crawling out of the TV. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah, I I don't, I don't know what to make of it. And it's not good. I think, yeah, I think I I would have liked a five minute animated silent video. (laughs) Yeah. Or like if they wanted it to be a, a period piece. Yeah. Like, Right. You know, lady, there's no dialogue. We don't need to know that anybody is is mute or what. Like, honestly. Also, her last name is Esposito, which means orphan. So, like, that's an intentional. No. They, they say that. Was she found by people who speak Spanish? And then, yeah, like, they're a, like, oh, that's her name now. Just a Spanish orphanage. Just, they, they got real, like, Game <laughs> of Thrones naming conventions there. Fuck. I don't know, Ever- man. It's... This. At least she wasn't sound, she wasn't found by anybody who speaks English because then it was, she would just would have been Eliza Orphan. Because yeah, I feel like both Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone, we've talked about like, oh, you can go down these layers and it's really interesting. There's all these other things. And I feel like the more you do that with this movie, the thinner it feels. Like, yeah. the more levels you go down, the more you're like, well, that's troubling. <laughs> like, the implications yeah. of that are not good. There's one last like w- parallel I'm curious uh, or one parallel that I want to bring up that I, I kind of thought of when I was talking to Tammy, my wife, when we were just like laying in bed and she was still just like, I just want to talk more about this movie. So she was talking my ear off. I'm falling asleep. And then I kind of said, you know, I was like, you know, it's kind of interesting that we're all supposed to be like really grossed out by like how the, you know, the white power guy was like, I want a woman who doesn't speak. And it's like, oh, that's gross, obviously, because that's like a male power fantasy. And then it's like when she has like this like male lover fantasy, it's like he doesn't consent to anything either, really. Like we don't really know for sure if he's consenting just because he's in. I don't know. Like there's something there. I want to know if you guys get where I'm saying, because I was also half asleep, like I said. Oh, no, that's a good point, because she's also like projecting onto him. Yeah. If it was clearer that they could communicate more clearly yes. clearly you know gorillas music. can sign yeah would I gorilla <laughs> no yeah no I I too would not fuck a gorilla like if I you know I would need a sonnet I actually am not into apes but that's just me <laughs> uh, I'd consider a date if he was speaking full I would totally go to dinner with a gorilla if like I would pay for that dinner I'd be like I'm sorry your habitat is getting fucked with you know yeah I mean, this it would, would, be also... I would definitely be interesting friends. It would be interesting friends. Yeah, I would totally be a pen pal with a gorilla. But like, I don't know if I want to get that intimate. Also, apes are really strong. Um, yeah. Like, I would be afraid. Sorry. So it's like interesting that she was like so attracted to this big, strong, powerful figure that also couldn't clearly consent to the relationship. It was just very yeah. interesting. Yeah, and that, that contrast, having those characters in the movie, it does make it, like, this kind of highlighted a little bit. Like, that's what was making me think, like, maybe Del Toro was truly trying to say, like, these are the kind of weird things y'all romanticize, by the way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, although I'm pretty sure Del Toro is, is like, He's in- yeah, fuck monsters, sure, whatever you want, you know. But- <laughs> okay, see, that's the thing, like, I was kind of hoping it was, like, a, a mirror to society where it's like, this is weird, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I do think that there's a little <laughs> bit of that. I mean, who knows? And who knows? if it is, if it is Ape Sapien fanfic, they should have let him have a line. It, yeah, he could have. He could have made this sea creature talk or communicate telepathically. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a healer. He can't speak. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, can you teach him how to write? Like, if he can heal you, he could probably write. If he could sign, he could probably write, you know? Um, it would be really cool if, like, the, there was a scientist that was just like, oh, my God, he's, got, he's kind of trying to communicate in a way that we could actually study or anything. Anything could have been influenced because this movie just went any direction anyway. Well, Bob yeah. tried that, but he, like, the plot kept fucking stymieing him. Like, the, he was That's like, true. hey, bosses, we could, like, figure out how to communicate with this creature. And they're like, no, there's a there's Cold War. I don't know. Fucking, like, we only like bombs. Bob even makes a real good argument, which is, like, this creature is kind of human, but he can breathe on air and on land and, like, survive in both both areas for a while. Like, if we research that, maybe we can, like, make that a thing that our soldiers and astronauts can do yeah uh, and the general's like no i want to cut it up yeah yeah it's just really interesting how absolutely no one changed all the characters just kind of i mean like i guess the roommate changed but like everyone else kind of was just like a uh, tunnel vision with what they wanted yeah and just were like no no these are my intentions no 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 even even the main girl like she i was just waiting so many times for her to you know put some power and sympathy into like how she empathizes with the care with the fish and more than just what she sees in him like i was just yeah. like all right girl say something cool like say something that makes me like you and she was just like me i'm so sad and he gives the good fish sticks so like i don't know <laughs> i mean yeah like that's it's also confusing because there's not a lot of like socialization that happens with that fish man they just they're like oh shit he's gonna die okay i'll take him to my bathtub and fuck him like it's you know yeah there was a little bit more of like a getting to know you you know situation and like yeah there was a little bit of an arc you know because at first he ate a cat and then he's like i'm gonna pet the kitty now i know it's it's okay to now we we don't kitty not for eating we eat egg we don't eat this kind of pussy it was just so like off screen like there was no actual like for me i don't know did i look away and miss a scene or something because like it was just like he ate the cat and then ran off she got him and then he was petting the cat and i was just like so off screen development i don't know yeah i think think there's there's not even like i don't know if we just need a montage there if like and i think the same is is weirdly true of their like intimate relationship of like we get more shots of her naked and her masturbating than like we get of them doing any sort of like intimate anything be it i mean not just talking but kissing like anything it's almost in the way it's shot like she just got a new sex toy like replaced the masturbating with the fish man yeah um we don't know we don't know how he feels about it he you know that's part of the issue in general but like i don't know it's not good. None of that's good. Yeah, I, I feel all, like we, just like stunned. I I feel like we have that like one the one weird question here is this movie feminist? I think if we're looking at it like support women's wrongs, I think sure. You know, the main character is flawed, but her muteness is sort of a weird like the way that it interacts with her her character. It kind of disrupts that a little bit. I think she's an interesting character at least. Even when we think about how problematic it can be and how she's like, you know, horny and desperate for fish dick, like that's interesting. But I've I wish there was more to it. You know, like I wish there was a little bit there was like some vegetables in that sandwich, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like for me it, it could be interesting if it was done more mindfully, but it's not interesting to me because it just feels slapped together. 
Like it really just feels like throwing a bunch of stereotypes at a wall and then saying, but there's a fish man. Yeah. In a sandwich has tuna. Yeah. Yeah. We substituted mayo for vegan mayo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just... uh. Yeah, I'm not even like a, I'm not even like a kink shamer, and I, I mean like I'm not even into like anti furry thing. I just think this movie did it poorly. Like there's so many like things that we're bringing up that I don't even know if they were considered when making the movie, and I'm just like I don't want to just like say like Delthor, I think this was just uh, one of your lazy days, but like I feel like that. I feel like he's capable of more. Yeah, and so I'm just kind of like now I'm looking for the substance, like you said, I'm looking for the vegetables. I'm getting his condiments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very much the what if. Isn't that fucked up? And then, <laughs> right. then, but then, like, we look into it and it's like, what if you fucked a fish, man? And he was hot. And then it wasn't even good porn. Yeah. Well, then, like, we didn't even see, like, all we saw was the sign of the dick coming out. We didn't see the actual right. fish dick. I would have been. You're going to go in, go in. Exactly. So, that's when, if he didn't go in, then there must be something else, right? Like, I'm supposed to say something else, but then I'm like, there's nothing really else. I feel like they could have explored. I mean, at least they could have explored each other's bodies more on screen. Like they right, were that a been little cool. bit of touching, but like and, and embracing. But it was very like chaste, you know. Which is interesting in a movie where we see this very very upsetting scene of thrusting of the oh, Strickland fucking my- his wife and and like sticking his rotten fingers in her mouth. You know, like oh, yeah, it would have been a good. Uh- parallel or whatever so those the the, my two critiques too right there like first main priority make the fish actually communicate in a way where i'm like this is not you just copying hand signs and then second you know actually give us an intimate moment between the fish we're supposed to say okay yeah it's totally cool if you want to be with the fish man like this this can be beautiful like he's sentient he can speak like who cares but then i'm like now i'm just like i'm just uncomfortable and i'm like was that the point am i supposed to be uncomfortable yeah, I think oh, that no. there was they were trying to ride a line with it that ended yeah. up being uncomfortable. Like they just wobbled right off of that line. Um, yeah, I'm like I, I, decide. <laughs> there's been a lot of movies where we're like, does it have queer representation? No, but we're kind of glad it doesn't. We don't know how well this director yeah. would have handled that. And this feels like, yes, there was a black person, and they were like, yeah, they're black. Black right. people have problems, and it was like real baseline. 101 racism stuff and then it's real baseline 101 like it's hard to be queer stuff the disability stuff it just i don't know it it makes me wonder like if they consulted with any disabled people like because it this was just a woke movie you know just woke for woke (laughs) sake yeah i mean the the, just the, the way that she defines herself so much by her her lack in this movie it seems very much like a able-bodied person's perspective on absolutely yeah she could have i mean there are a number of things that are going on with her that she could have pointed to in terms of her dissatisfaction with life like being harassed i could be with a fish alien so like i'm not gonna shut it off right but again it's the communication part i'm not going to assume and you see the lighthouse dude sees a fish with tits (laughs) And he's like, oh, it's a mermaid. I'm going to fuck it. You know, it has tits. So therefore, boom. That like it's great. But it is a good movie. I but love that movie. movie. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, in that movie, fucking the fish person is sort of taken as red. Right? Yeah. You know, you have movies like Splash. I think Splash is the movie where it's like Tom Hanks fucks a mermaid or whatever. And she yeah, becomes like a person. Yep. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's a little bit more of a little mermaid thing situation because I think she gets legs and therefore, you know, the parts are all where he would expect them to be. But like in the lighthouse, spoilers, there is a full on fish vagina. And it was beautiful. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a black and white lighthouse at some point on here. Yeah, we should. Yes, please. I have to come. It's better fish fucking representation than (laughs) the shape of water. Because like the shape of water is like, yeah, you know, yes, I do want to like mermans are also sexy. Like, yes, let's go. I think like all of this to boil down to like what I was saying that irritated me at the beginning of that, which is the fairy tale thing feels like a feature in Penn's Labyrinth. And here it feels like a crutch. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's just a fairy tale. It's just like a don't think too hard story. Yeah, yeah. And then puts all these upsetting things in our face. But yeah, I think uh, it's it's complicated. I guess all that considered, would you guys recommend this movie? Do you think people should check it out? I want my time back. Reclaim your time. This is what I do. This is why I do this show because I think it's really (laughs) important to have a variety of of opinions. Because like, I like this movie. You know, but it's not the kind of like it's not the kind of movie that I'm like, listen, it's gonna change your life. All right. When I first watched, yeah, when I first watched this movie, it was at the behest of my father, who was like, "Oh, we're gonna have a family movie night." Oh boy. And we, I want to watch this because it was an Oscar winner, you know. And he's like, "Emily, you like weird shit. Let's watch this together." And I'm like, "All right." And then. Ooh, you know, then an lot- hour later, you you and your dad were watching Sally Hawkins fuck a fish. Yeah, well, <laughs> the musicals part was one of the only times that he spoke while we were watching the movie because we we're watching it at home. And he was like, strains my practice credulity. <laughs> Which is to say, <laughs> I don't. He says, the strains my practice credulity, which is his complicated way of saying, I'm not buying it. Like, <laughs> I can't believe this. I, I feel like that scene, like, is bad. Uh, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's fun to watch. It's fun to look at. Like, it looks good. But it, like, is a scene in which she imagines a better world in which she is not disabled and that he can actually, like, consent that he is actually, like, present in a way that he is not normally. And yeah, so it is a moment that makes you go, oh, this world. is the rest of this is fucked up. Like, yeah, so that's uh, what I'm saying. Okay, exactly. With that, like, we wouldn't, like, I feel like we wouldn't see the moment where, like, dude shuts his wife's mouth, and we wouldn't see the meal where it shows her, like, what she wishes, like, her fantasy, if we weren't supposed to, like, compare it to her own actions or compare it to something else in the movie. So I feel like the, like, the only reason is there so that we can see that, like, the other stuff is intentional, but maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. I don't know about anything anymore. I think that I prefer it. What you're overthink, you're overthunk, you're <laughs> overthought version of it. I prefer because it is a little bit more of like a critique of like, let's really think about monster fucking here. You know, make sure your monsters can. Yeah, talk. But um, then I don't feel like it's about the monster in the first place because I'm perceiving this all as just like, like for me, it's like every time I question, like, oh, maybe it's not that deep. I'm just like. No, I just feel like this is, I don't know, like this doesn't seem very different from all the kind of romance I see in other movies. It's just a monster this time instead of like other mentally ill people who are projecting on each other and insecure. I mean, Forrest Gump. Oh, no, no, let's not. No, no. (laughs) 
I feel like we we got to take a hard stance here, which is fuck werewolves, not wolves. Like just yes, oh God. You know, yes. That's our that's our hard stance here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Werewolves, yeah. werewolves, wolfmen, they could consent. Wolves can't. You know, don't yeah. fuck giant wolves. Don't fuck dire wolves. You can fuck werewolves. That's fine. Yeah, but this, but he's in a man shape, and so that that's what like that's what it's like. You go like, oh, we got two legs. Well, and, you don't pee pee. Werewolf. Okay, yeah, two don't legs and a dick, don't you? Don't fuck a werewolf if it can't talk or has but no abilities. But to I'm saying if it doesn't have true. any. I mean, you know, what? just play it safe. Yeah, right. I mean, definitely. Like, I mean, if you know who the werewolf rough. is too. If you know who the werewolf is too, it's like, okay, so just wait until they're a speaking person who, or at least someone who can consent yeah. writing and verbally sign, whatever it is, right? And yeah. then next time y'all can plan, right? Like communicate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> also, she was really taking a risk there because his semen could have been like poison. She didn't care. She or was like, funny. I mean, yeah, but that's another, like, that's another problem. Like you gotta be careful. I know. Getting into the Superman problems now. Yeah. Okay. Bro, I would have been afraid he would just rip her apart. Like she really yeah. not even think. Yeah. Like, what if he was like a werewolf and he, you know, just fucked really rough? What if it was barbed, bro? Like, yeah. Too like, many what if animal penises on Earth? I have seen too many comics where there's a werewolf who can talk, and his human partner is very upset no. No. because of a little problem. <laughs> Jeremy, it's giving me a great look here. What what um, comics are you reading, man? This shit just flies by. This is it's on my radar. I'm so sorry. I go on Tumblr. It's on, <laughs> when I this was the thing that I actually saw on Facebook. You know, sometimes it's a problem and sometimes it's not. And that's what I I'll say about that. Did we answer the question of whether we would recommend this to people? Bree, would you recommend people read or watch this movie? I would to watch it for like the same reason like I would tell someone to watch like Swiss Army Man or The Lighthouse because it's just an experience, right? Yeah. But would I ever be like, ooh, you need to see this because history, da 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I mean, we talked a lot about Guillermo del Toro in the past couple of weeks. This movie is still directed by Guillermo del Toro. The direction is great. The writing is not all there. Like, right. The, okay. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's still a beautiful movie it's well made it's right. maybe not well written i think that's it because like visually yeah. i was just like it's beautiful like you like the scenes were beautiful i was just like i'm just you want me to believe that this is rooted in in real life but then something crazy happens but at the same time you're, you're going in weird fantasy world and you say it's a fantasy the story and i'm just like for me it felt even more like it was written to feel like it came out in the time like you know shortly after like the swamp creature of the black moon yeah like it because of yeah. all the stereotypes i was like is this supposed to feel like an like it was actually made then because got me there but then it just but i don't know it was a weird marriage of these themes i guess i don't know yeah it, it, it felt very weird tales and it was like but it was very weird tales of the time it was not updated mm. at all <laughs> yeah so no i mean i'm just you know all right that's I mean, I would I would recommend this movie for the same reason. It's just like, you know, see it, make your own decisions about it. You know, know that it it, it got these two Oscars just so you understand how the Oscars work. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I want to hear people's. I think I would show it to hear people's takes. Right. It's like a vibe check. I'm yeah. like, hey, what you feel about this? Huh? 
<laughs> get their opinion and then ambush them with all your ideas and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should we get an uber or should we call a cab oh i guess emily what would you recommend that people watch having having been through this just watch like if you want to watch Guillermo del Toro and if you want to watch Sexy Fish Man, just watch the Hellboy movies. Not the new one, but the old first Hellboy and Hellboy 2, Golden Army. Abe Sapien could definitely consent. Um, Hellboy can consent. There's a lot of consenting monsters in these films. That fucking Dristo Orton guy can ex- consent. They're all sexy. And, you know, you see them fucking just about as much as you see our girl Eliza fucking on screen. So. You know, at least with Hellboy, he gets to kiss a lady that's on fire. Yeah. Spoilers. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Bree, did you have anything you wanted to recommend? I mean, I, I, I forgot that I had to recommend, like, <laughs> to be honest. But I mean, like, we were talking about the werewolves, right? And so that's, like, branching off monster men. There's a movie that's not a horror, but it also got me with the, the monster fucker aspect that made me go, oh, okay, I'm just going to look past that and enjoy it which was Wolf Children, Ame Yumi. It's an anime. Yeah, so like that was weird because I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just, you know, a little love story. And then he's like, by the way, I'm a werewolf. And she's like, oh, that's okay. I still love you. And then they do it. But like, for some reason, he was in wolf form. And I was like, he was in hybrid for a minute. What me? What me? It just, it felt like full wolf. I think he was in hybrid form when they were fucking, but he became he was wolf, wolf face later. Yeah, he did have a wolf face, which I mean that was weird, right? <laughs> I like he I'm has gonna... the ability to change, and he said, "I'm gonna go wolf top today." You into <laughs> it, and she was like, "Okay." And then it was like in the middle of this romantic, beautiful time. So then I was just like, "Oh, okay." Look past it. <laughs> you know what? The daughter, huh? I was mean? just gonna say, like with the with him into the wolf face. Like, if it's easier for him to be in wolf face, I really am not happy uh-huh. with saying wolf face now. Wolf head? <laughs> wolf hybrid wolf form. Top? Wolf top. If he's wolf, wolf top, top, I mean... Thought we agreed we weren't going to do any more wolf face in TV and movies. Yeah, that's... I'm so sorry. <laughs> just, uh, but yeah, like, I feel like... Hire a wolf easier. for the part. Yeah. It's... No more for wolf appropriation. Okay. But the wolf thing, if it's easier for him and it's him being his true self, I feel like there is a an element there that, you know, like she's trying to he's trying to ensure that she'll accept him as he is. You know, he doesn't have yes. to wear makeup. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's that there. And it's a lot easier because he is talking. He's just. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, I really don't. It is weird when he can go full wolf. And like shit happens to him as he's full wolf, you know. Yeah. But you were gonna say about the daughter. I think I was thinking of two sentences at the same time, and then I switched sentences halfway through. And it, yeah, but I was gonna say just simply the fact that like when you get past that, it's a beautiful movie about a mother and the daughter and son and the and yes. the daddy, and it's really beautiful. And then it'll hit you a couple times. You should wa- definitely watch it so you can just have that experience. It's one of those experience movies. You need to see it. Yeah. And it's it's more about family and like for sure. It's a wholesome like, it's more wholesome, but my brain crossed the streams when it came to the monster fucking. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely seen that. Nobody races parts <laughs> though in Wolf Children, sadly. Yeah, you'll definitely just, you know, sit down, grab a Kleenex, some comfort yes. food, watch it. A good time. It's what about you, Germs? So 
this is going to take a turn. Bear with me. I <laughs> want to recommend another Sally Hawkins film in which she has a much less ambiguous and more appropriate relationship with an animal who is, in this case, clearly intelligent and able to do their own thing and consent. And it's not an inappropriate relationship. That being Paddington. Huh? <laughs> because Wait, Paddington is yeah. like literally Sally Hawkins was filming Paddington 2 and this movie at the same time. And I gotta say, okay. Paddington's a better movie. Like, okay. And it treats like this tiny bear that is incredibly intelligent with the sort of like clarity and then dignity that this movie that Shape of Water lacks treating its an intelligent mm. animal character. And is is did not leave me feeling weird and problematic about the movie. You know, granted, it is not a sexual relationship. It is a family. Yeah, my brain, I'm sorry. Like, I was very... Oof, yeah, we were just talking about fucking brain and, and then the Paddington came to mind. I was like, whoa. Well, yeah, yeah. The, we have just talked about the problematic nature of certain juxtapositions. Yeah, yeah. Paddington is fucking chill like that movie is is chill and fun and seems to know how to like create a character who is you know both unambiguously an animal and also intelligent and you don't feel weird about it at the end you're you definitely like with like oh yeah you know some humans and some bears can have a family together and everything's cool it's not like a sexual relationship it's like a found family relationship yeah Yeah, oh my god yeah, it's, you know, what? it's a found family relationship about, you know, this uh, smart bear that comes to London. But yeah, fucking watch Paddington. Watch Paddington 2 also. Hugh Grant is in it. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. Cause yeah. Right, right. Yeah, the I Paddington movies like are fucking the great. They're some of the, the best movies of the last decade. I'll die, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> well, they, they do seem to like him. Everybody in England. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, with that said, Bree, would you let people know where they can find out more about you and your work online? Just go to my website, brieendigo.com, and you'll see all my social media and everything I've done. And that is the quickest, easiest place for you to go. And I'll just leave it at that. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and at Mega underscore Moth on Instagram and at Megamoth.net. Ben, even though they're not here today, is at Ben the Con and on their website at BenConComics.com where you can pick up all of their books, including pre-ordering their debut prose novel, L. Campbell Wins the Their Weekend, which is, is coming up this fall. So you can go ahead and pre-order that now. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jerome58 and on my website at jeremywhitley.com. You can find everything I write. You can also pre-order reading my book, The Dog Night, right now. It's, by the time you're hearing this, it's close. It's close to coming out. So. Yeah go order it it's good you'll like it yeah you will doggies it's so cute oh my god Thank you. it's so cute holy Thank shit you. yeah and of course i don't the... think we'll be able to beat this you know it's gonna be our best you gotta keep up in that you gotta keep up in that game yeah right yeah we gotta write our fish monster story next positions remember uh, yeah, yeah. That. yeah and of course the the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified and on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod. If you want to tell us what you think of the movie, of the podcast, you want to ask us any questions about anything, feel free to hit us up. And we would love it if you'd rate and review the podcast. Five stars helps us reach new listeners. And as always, 
thank you so much, Debris, for joining us. It's been a ball. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. It's always great to come and hang out with y'all. Well, thank yeah. you. Same. Hang out with us more. Absolutely. And uh, thanks to all of y'all for listening. Thanks to Emily for joining us. And we will be back next week to uh, to start our API our API Heritage Month. So come come check out those episodes as well. And until next time, stay horrified. Clap.